You are Locked On 49ers, your daily San Francisco 49ers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On 49ers Thursday edition. We're talking OTAs, the Niners back at it, reporters there watching them from uh, according to Grant Cohen, about 70 yards away from the action, so they couldn't get a really good up-close look at what was going on, but I think we do have some nice reports here and some things we can take away from OTA practice today and some press conference audio as well. Jimmy Ward, with the first time we've heard from defensive coordinator D'Amico Ryans now, Jason Verrett, so maybe some clues about what this defense is going to start to look like. Brian Peacock here at Beating Peacock with Eric Crocker. At Eric underscore Crocker on Twitter. The lines are always open. If you want to shoot us a tweet and get involved in any mailbags, maybe we'll hit some questions if we have time today after we talk OTAs. Uh, I did tease earlier in the week that we were going to do a scouting report on fifth round cornerback Diamador Lenore out of Oregon. That's probably going to get pushed to tomorrow just because I don't think we'll have time now with all of these reports and everything going on in OTAs. Croc, how you doing, man? I, I saw that you were favoring your arm a little bit, getting ready for softball season, hurting you, throwing the football around a little bit maybe with your with your workouts? Yeah, my, my, my body definitely doesn't react the way it did a few years ago. I really feel like ever since I turned 34 um, what, a week ago, my whole life has just kind of gone downhill. <laughs> yeah, for me, the the pandemic did a, did a number on me because I was a dad just before that, became a dad. Actually, Leo, little Leo's going to turn three next week, which is kind of crazy, or in about two weeks. Um, so, yeah, but, like, just being a dad and then being indoors more and, and getting even more out of shape than I already was and then age setting in, I feel like the last year was a, a definite line in my life, like, where I became – I'm post-pandemic, I'm old guy now. That's just it. And I, I felt, I still thought I felt young and looked young back in the day, but had more grays. It's like, it's not going to happen. I, I kind of got to give up. Like, I'm an old guy <laughs> from here on out. That's the new me. That's the new reality for me. So that's how I feel. So I don't know if it's that extreme for you. I know you're in a lot better shape than I am, and you're, you've got workout gear in the background. I know this podcast is not on video, but I see all the gear in the background, so I, I think you're doing better than I am on that front, at least. Well, I need to use all that gear more often. I think that's the issue. Uh, you know, I do get some workouts in, maybe, you know, two a week, sometimes three, but I could be a little bit more consistent, especially with my diet. I ate corn dogs earlier. I'm probably going to eat waffles for dinner. My wife is gone. So, I mean, that I think that's the worst part about it. Corn dogs and waffles. Not the best <laughs> diet. No, not the best diet. And you, They say you can't outwork a bad diet, too. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's they say abs right. are made in the kitchen, and I definitely don't have abs right now. And and if I don't work at all and have a bad diet on top of it, that's that's I'm doing double time damage there. My knees like all swollen up from trying to play basketball <laughs> that I hadn't done in about a year. But I'm trying to get back in shape. And basketball is my favorite thing because I'm like a dog. I basically have to be chasing a ball because it's really hard for me just to go work out. And you know, I've got some workout gear here, and occasionally I'll push push a little bit of that weight around and uh, maybe go for a run or a bike ride. But it's really hard for me. I can just kill myself playing basketball. Like if everyone sticks around and keeps playing. I'll keep playing. I'll play all night long, be dying, falling over, drenched in sweat. I mean, that is the best way for me to get a, get a workout. So um, that I love that I can go back and play basketball now. That, that's the best way for me to stay in shape. But I'm really stoked for the softball leagues to be starting back up for me in a couple of weeks. And they're starting up for you, right? Do you, are you a big softball player? I didn't know that about you. Well, I am now, I guess. I started oh, Monday. I mean, that's my first time okay. ever. So, Oh, your first time ever? Yeah. Oh. You know, and the guys, so... 
you know, I think certain people, when you're not around, like guys that are, you know, been athletes their whole life, when they ask me, like, hey, do you know how to play softball? And I'm like, well, I, I've never played really softball, really, but I, I'll figure it out. And they're like, okay. But I think what they thought was they were going to see this guy just tripping all over themselves. And I'm like, well, I was an athlete, like a, a legit athlete. Bro, yeah, so like, I'm dude, out there. And I'm, six, two, I'm chasing down five balls. Four, five, what was your 40? Yeah. Four, five, one yeah, four, or something five, like that? Four, five, five. Yeah. So, dude, I mean, they, they haven't seen an athlete, athlete like you out there, right? But right. I mean, I'm not, older now, but you don't want my hand-eye coordination, there. everything is on point. So, I mean, I'm being, you know, I'm connecting on everything. Okay. I'm chasing balls down center field. And they're like, oh, what the heck? Dude, like, no, the range, <laughs> yeah. Being able to utilize that range in slow-pitch softball is nice. You can even get that rover and bring an extra player into the infield if you got that much speed in center field out there. So, I'm sure they're glad to have you. As long as you're making contact with the ball, that's the hardest part. But I mean, it's, I know it's slow-pitch, but I see, go out, I see guys go out there all the time. It's their first time they've played since, you know, high school. And it's been 15, 20 years. And they're, like, com- completely whiffing, striking out. And or, or oh, just yeah, never nah, played nah, ball nah. at all. So as long as you're not doing that, you got coordination and you're an athlete. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm hitting them. I, I'm I'm hitting them to the warning track. But the biggest issue is getting it over the fence because I guess you have to kind of put your body into it more. So that that's the part I have to figure out. But I'm I'm connecting though. <laughs> it's all in the hips. Yeah, it's all in the hips. Yeah. You gotta you gotta open up those hips. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So uh, when you come back into California, we'll get together and play some slow pitch softball. <laughs> I usually try to play as many nights per week as I can. It sounds good. Heck yeah. Uh, so OTAs, 49ers back at it and on the field, and and folks were watching and sending over reports. I was not there. Crocker was not there, but we got a lot of good information. Wh- one of the things that stood out to me, and it all kind of came together, and I know maybe I'm a little bit slower on this than a lot of folks, and maybe that's uh, something that everyone realized already, and I, I just kind of it, it didn't dawn on me until today, and I looked at how long the injury list was for, for guys who hadn't played. Like Travis Benjamin literally didn't play last year. And he's out with a calf injury. And these are all, you know, precautionary and minor injuries and stuff. But it's like, that's why you're signing Andy Jones. That's why you're signing Michael Pruitt, which, by the way, was official today uh, from Josina Anderson, free agent tight end. Michael Pruitt has agreed to terms with the 49ers per source. That probably means Delaney Walker is not signing with the 49ers. And, and maybe these latest signings are more camp bodies. But it's like, okay, so Travis Benjamin's out. Richie James is out with the hamstring. Uh Brandon Ayuk and Debo both out. Uh, for for Debo, it wasn't even an injury; is a, a personal thing, just a day off or whatever. Jalen Hurd still nursing his his ACL and and rehabbing that one. Ayuk's got a groin going on, and it's like you just need people who can run routes at some at a certain point, right? And so that's what all of these signings are: is they're, they're not expecting Andy Jones to come in and win a job, but they do need someone to run routes for all their quarterbacks. Yeah, a lot of times that that's how it happens. I remember when I got cut from the Jets. Um, heading into a game, they just kind of needed bodies. Like they could, they needed some running backs. They had uh, offensive linemen down. They had a running back. Joe McKnight had a concussion, and it's like, well, we have a lot of depth at cornerback. We can release a corner, bring in guys, so we don't have to put anybody on IR. And it just happened to be me that was the, the casualty. But uh, that's how it works, man. They they got to keep this thing going and, and keep coming in and and to help keep other guys fresh. And maybe even a little bit more of a new philosophy for the 49ers. Maybe they're holding more people out than they normally would have to try to keep people healthy when the actual season comes around. You need guys on the field for the games, which is probably a smart strategy if that's what they're doing. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think, you know, if you just go off of last year and how many guys hurt, I mean, like that, that was ridiculous. So I'm pretty sure they're going to try anything that, you know, they're just throwing ideas at the wall and sees what sticks. And, hey, if holding the guy out for a minor growing tweak injury or whatever helps you know savor his body for the season just do it <laughs> yeah yeah and if 
if Ayuk's nursing the groin, you're definitely not going to want to put him out there, especially this point in May during uh, or June now. We're in June. Hey, uh, OTAs. Do, what's going on with this post-June 1st thing? I thought there's going to be all kinds of news. Players getting cut, traded. Nothing's happening. This sucks. They hyped it up, but they do a good job of hyping up like every portion of the NFL offseason. They did that with June 1st, and like you said, nothing has happened. Nothing, nothing man. It's it's a bummer. So uh, I'm actually going to talk to uh, Aaron Freeman of Locked on Falcons on the Peacock and Williamson show tomorrow morning. So maybe get some good information and, and pass that along here to the Locked on 49ers crew about what's going on with Julio Jones. Maybe could he end up being a 49er? What kind of offers they expect to see? So tune in if you want to hear that conversation. Had a good one on today's Peacock and Williamson with Peter Bukowski, who hosts Locked on Packers, and getting the inside info on the Aaron Rodgers situation there, which is a really strange one, and, and who knows how that's going to end. The, I, there's nothing imminent with any of these post-June first moves. Zach Ertz is out there. We talked about a few of them yesterday. Crockett, you and I did on the show here with Wink, but um, there's still potential for a lot of stuff to happen, and I think for Julio Jones, the big deadline is probably training camp because that's when they need to have the cap space to sign their rookies, so I guess they don't have to do anything just because the the June 1st deadline is passed, and now they can spread that salary cap over a couple years. doesn't mean on June 2nd they have to do the deal. I think they can sit and wait and try to find their best deal and, and see how this thing play, plays out over the next six weeks or something until training camp starts and then then maybe something has to happen yeah i know i think the tough thing for you know fans of you know fan bases and whatnot we were expecting oh june 1st he's on the 49ers or yeah. he's on tennessee and i think this is going to be a long drawn out process i thought julio was going to be at otas for the 49ers today that's what yeah, i thought that. was going to happen a few weeks ago but, uh, <laughs> who knows i Three, at least three teams, maybe all four teams in the NFC West are involved in this thing too. So who, who knows? But one thing we do know is the 49ers don't have a first rounder to trade. If that's what they want, then that ain't happening for the 49ers. A couple of really quick notes on the other injuries. Jaquiski Tart out with a toe injury. Mostert, a minor knee injury that he's nursing. So he wasn't practicing. Marcel Harris groin. I mentioned all the wide receivers. Maurice Hurst, a shoulder contusion. And... Obviously, D. Ford still nursing that back injury, so he was not on the practice field either. Nick Bosa's rehabbing in Florida. So uh, a lot of names missing from the 49ers OTAs, but there were plenty of people that were there at practice. Talk a little bit about Javon Kinlaw, new defensive coordinator, D'Amico Ryans, maybe giving some clues about what the Niners' defense is going to look like under him in 2021, and DBs Jimmy Ward and Jason Verrett speaking on the mic next. Credit Karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions, and now they want to help you even more. With a Credit Karma Money Spend account, you can be rewarded for good money habits. I know personally Credit Karma has done a huge amount to help tracking my credit score, really helped me build that up, helped me when I was purchasing a home. I'm seeing that continue to skyrocket, and I love checking Credit Karma to see how high my credit score has gotten. But now they can help you even more. Credit Karma Money is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements for making purchases. When you use your Credit Karma Money debit card, you can win daily Instant Karma purchase reimbursements on items up to $5,000. Just pay with your debit card and if you win, you'll be notified on the spot and your Instant Karma cash will be added back to your spend account. Right now, visit Credit Karma slash win money to open your free account and start winning instant karma that's creditkarma.com slash win money instant karma is sponsored by credit karma no purchase necessary exclusions and terms apply see rules 
Banking services provided by MVB Bank, Inc., member FDIC, maximum balance, and transfer limits apply. RockAuto.com is a family business. They've been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Convenient self-service at RockAuto.com where you can shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules to brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, jumper cables, even new carpet for your classic cars, your daily driver. Get everything you need in just a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle, choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer, and best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers alike. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Croc, I didn't get any audio from Javon Kinlaw, but I I watched the video of it, and the dude is a massive human, and you kind of forget how big he is, and he's got a set of legs for arms essentially is the best way to put it if you've never seen Javon Kinlock because they're so big and long and wide and just thick and it's like man this guy's just built completely different maybe it's from all the squirrel he's been eating and as uh, I saw your comment on Twitter it looks like you have some insight in the way the things go down in certain areas of the country I personally have never eaten squirrel I don't know if you have or if that's something you've done now that you've been in uh, in in Arkansas for a bit, and is that a diet food or is that like high in fat? Is that going to help you get big like Javon Kinlaw? What's going on with the squirrel meat? You know, I, I found out when I came out here that they pretty much eat anything that they can kill. So whether it's a squirrel, possum, raccoon, whatever it is, if they can hunt it and kill it, they will, and they'll skin it and they'll grill it. And uh, it's definitely not like that, at least where I'm from in California. <laughs> we just go to the mm. store and get regular chicken and, yeah. and you know some turkey. But uh, I, I guess they look at it as if it is that, right? Like they look at it as if, okay, chicken, turkey, squirrel, hamster, I guess it's all the same <laughs> to them. It's an animal. You kill it and you grill it. You kill it and grill it. Yeah, uh, that's... That's amazing. I, squirrels are so small too. How many would you, it seems like you'd have to eat like five squirrels just to get full. Yeah. Well, I have, yeah. um, I know, you know, one of my friends that I've made out here, she doesn't, she won't eat squirrel because she said it's just too familiar. Like it just looks too much like a rat, like after you skin it. Oh, okay. So she won't eat it, but everyone else, they're, they're fine with it. And if you look at my comments, a lot of the mentions in there, I mean, squirrel, it looked, if you just judge off my comments, you would think it's a hot commodity. There were a lot of people that are like, oh, man, squirrel is so good. A squirrel is fire. And I'm just like, where are you guys from? <laughs> like, what is going on here? How do you catch a squirrel? Is it something like where you're hunting them with a bow or what? Are you, I, do you trap I don't, them maybe? I, I don't know, but it looks like Javon Kinlaw like traps it with his teeth or something. I mean, remember, there was that <laughs> video. He was turning it around in his mouth. I, I heard about that video. I did not see that video, so I don't know what that was, but... Uh, uh, I, I guess I got to go try to find that one. I, I want to see Javon Kinlaw come out of the bushes with the squirrel in his mouth. That'd be <laughs> fantastic. Hopefully yeah. he comes out of the bushes with some quarterbacks in his mouth this season, and he definitely has some work to do. He was such a raw prospect coming in to the NFL last year, and he would 
show a couple of wild plays. And uh, I don't remember who it was. I think it was Samson Abukam was talking about him and said he's going to be an all pro this year. He's like, he was blown away by how big he was and by how much he hustled, like running to the sideline, running to the football, no matter where it was. And we saw that last year, but then there was times he was taken completely out of plays and uh, just really hit and miss. But then he would make a play. He's like, wow, that's, that's a, it's a rare play for, for someone to be able to do that. What are your expectations for Kinlaw coming into this year, Crop? Yeah, I think you definitely would like to see him, you know, just take the next step. And I think really more so as a pass rusher, I think like if you just really watch, I was watching one play and it was the play when uh, Fred Warner, he did the little army crawl under the guy's legs. Mm -hmm. If you remember that play from the Dallas Cowboy game. Well, I actually like kind of just, I don't know. I was just like, well, what did Kinlaw do on this play? And you watch and he took on a double team. Two guys came at him. He got pushed back maybe like a half a yard. And then he created a pile and got underneath him. And that's how... Uh, Fred Warner ended up cleaning that play up. So there are some little things that he does that kind of maybe go a little unnoticed. I think for him is just, all right, now can I just be a little bit more consistent maybe with his hand placement or whatever to where he's back there, you know, and sacking the quarterbacks. And, you know, guys, you know, we got spoiled watching DeForest Buckner be able to get back there, especially have a double-digit sack season, you know, a couple of times. Uh, then you go from that to a guy who gets, what, you know, one or two sacks. Can he become a better pass uh, pass rusher, and that's the probably I'm pretty sure the, the one thing is probably really focusing on this offseason in this development. Yeah, absolutely. Technique and pass rush technique, and uh, it's a bummer actually that Nick Bosa is not around because he needs to hang out with Nick Bosa like every day because Bosa <laughs> probably had more pass rush technique when he was in high school than Kinlaw did coming into the NFL as a rookie last year. And Kinlaw was just killing people in college because he's bigger and stronger than him. But uh, in the NFL, it's a different deal, and you've got to have that pass rush technique. And so uh, th- there's still the sky's the limit for Kinlaw, but he still has a ways to go. So that we might not see that guy that's at his peak until year like three and four because it takes a while. And sometimes it does take a while for pass rushers. And we didn't see even with, um, with Buckner and, and Eric Armstead took a while. Like Eric Armstead was almost a complete bust after his first four years and then really started to come on in that fifth year, then earned himself a contract. So it does take a while for some guys, especially for uh, Armstead in his case, he was kind of bouncing in and out and then they went from three man front to four man front. So, um, it's, I'm interested to see what that defense looks like and see how everyone is utilized because there's so many different guys and so many different shapes of defensive linemen and, and edge players the 49ers have under D'Amico Ryans at his disposal. So it's going to be fun. Yeah, I think the biggest thing you want to see with, you know, with these guys are have areas where they need to improve. It's can, do, can they at least have an area of where like they can hang their hat on this thing? Yes. I think with Ken Law, we do know he's very disruptive in a run game and plays with some smarts. Obviously, we saw him have a pick six last year. Um, <laughs> if he can continue to kind of make plays like that in the process of improving as a pass rusher, I think most people would be fine with that. Actually, that pick six, I think, is a perfect example. That was Kinlaw's rookie season in a nutshell because after the game, I think it was on KMBR, John Lynch almost sounded like he was upset because Kinlaw was doing something he wasn't supposed to be doing, and he was kind of freelancing. So he made this big play and this athletic play that you don't see a defensive tackle do because uh, he, I guess he, he was thwarted in his first attempt to, to rush a passer or whatever he's supposed to be doing, ends up dropping back, ends up getting a pick six, and, and John Lynch is like, yeah, we don't want him doing that. He was doing the wrong thing on that play. He was almost upset that he made that huge play. So I think that's a perfect example of what Kinlaw is and what he could become and, and uh, how much work he has to do still. Yeah, when they want they want him to know why he did that. Like, mm-hmm. why? Like, what made you drop back and do that? And I think he's probably like, oh, I don't know. I just kind of felt the other it. Thing I guess wasn't working. They, so, <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's funny. Um, a couple of notes, transaction notes that I didn't mention at the top. 
The 49ers have signed James Burgess Jr., linebacker who's been a sort of bounced around the league a little bit, a journeyman, special teams type of player, add some depth at linebacker. They've been looking at a couple of linebackers, and I don't think any of their undrafted free agent linebackers look too good in rookie minicamps from most reports. So they went the uh, the veteran route with James Burgess, who, according to Cam Inman, this is his 10th franchise since 2016. So he's, he's averaging wow. two teams a year in his five-year career. Pretty amazing. <laughs> Not yeah. ideal. Yeah, not ideal. And then the big one is Weston Richburg officially retired, and that was going to be a post. So that's, I guess, the first post-June 1st thing that's actually happened, even though we already knew it was going to happen. Weston Richburg officially retiring, and he made a statement that you can find on the 49ers' official account on Twitter or 49ers.com, I'm sure. And the salary cap implications from David Lombardi of The Athletic from Weston Richburg's retirement are as follows. The 49ers immediately save an additional $1.075 million in 2021 cap space and $9.2 million of 2022 cap space, both critical. Uh, total Richburg 2021 savings of $8 million have now been fully attained. A restructure helped net $7.9 million early of that, and he restructured and then uh, retired after June 1st to give the, the 49ers those cap savings. So that's where we're at. Oh, nice. That definitely helps. Everything, yeah. you know, when it comes to trying to get uh, Julio Jones. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Every little bit helps, and they're still going to have to do some more work because they got to sign their draft picks and uh, and fit everything in if they do want to do something with Julio Jones. Not impossible, but it's got to be worth it. And, yeah, second-round pick. We talked about this, right? Second and a a conditional fourth. That's, I think, what we came up with as as Peacock and Crocker's max offer to the Falcons. Well, we better hope uh, Jimmy Garoppolo wins the Super Bowl so we can recoup that. Yeah, got to recoup that. So the better Jimmy does, the better for everybody. And I'll run that offer by Aaron Freeman tomorrow on Peacock and Williamson and see what he says about it. I have a feeling (laughs) he's going to say no to it. But, uh, yeah. yeah, that's a tough situation for the Falcons to be in if they really have to move him because, you know, Julio Jones, Hall of Famer, you got to be able to get a first-rounder for that when when we've seen what some other – I mean, Sanu went for a second-rounder from the Falcons, right? That was wild, though. You know, for all the – everybody loves the New England Patriots and all the stuff that they do, but they've done a lot of weird stuff as well, they especially when bad, it comes to the personnel. Yes, they had a bad run of personnel moves, drafts, and uh, – they were really aggressive this offseason, and I think they spent some bad dollars too, even though they got better and they needed some of those things, and they're getting a lot of opt-outs back. And I think it's pretty clear that Bill Belichick was like, yeah, I'm not doing the 7-9 to nine thing anymore. That that was BS. Um, so I think they're going to be better, and I think it was pretty amazing that the Patriots even went 7-9 and nine with what their roster looked like last year after the opt-outs and, and losing Tom Brady and everything. So they spent a bunch of money. I don't know if it was smart money, though. Nah, they 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 spent a lot of money on some receivers, and you know I love Kendrick Bourne. Everybody knows that, but you know twenty two million, and that's just what the, it looks like on paper. I don't know what the guarantees are and whatnot, but you have a guy like Jacoby Myers who he's not bad. You have a rookie, um, or not rookie, but you know whatever uh, the receiver out of Arizona State. I don't know why I'm blinking. Uh, on Nikhil Harry. Right now. Yeah, Nikhil Harry. Yeah. You know, it's like, well, what what can he be? And it's like, man, you can't get Nikhil Harry to give you the same type of production that you can get from Kendrick Bourne, or you can't at least get that from him and to the tune of having to pay Bourne 20 plus million dollars. Like that's the part where it's like, man, you guys really whiff on your guys' personnel decisions to where you go. And I don't want to say overpay Kendrick Bourne. I like Bourne, 
but overpaid Kendrick Bourne. Yeah, they paid a lot more than the 49ers were willing to, that's for sure. And I think the Niners are like, okay, I guess Kendrick Bourne's going to sign with the Patriots because we're definitely not going there. And I think some bad drafts stacked up, and it really made that roster hurt and forced the, the Patriots to do some things in free agency that they don't normally do. So that's an interesting one in New England. Uh, next, we will get back to the 49ers OTAs and some quotes from... The defensive coordinator, first time hearing from D'Amico Ryans. Jimmy Ward, who was ready to talk, and, and he was uh, he was on fire. And Jason Verrett, too. Next. Bet online is the fastest, easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season, full swing. There's something there all season long, all summer long to bet on. But we've got NHL and NBA playoffs happening. Those are Always super fun to bet on as the summer gets started. UFC, MMA action, we've got golf tournaments, we've got horse racing. There's no end to things. You can bet on at betonline.ag. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop, mobile device, check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Reality TV, award shows, you name it. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get in the game as teams are in their playoff runs head to the website or use your mobile device sign up today betonline.ag to receive your 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit use promo code locked on that's promo code locked on for 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit bet online your online sportsbook experts all right croc this is the 49ers' new defensive coordinator, D'Amico Ryans, talking about the overview of what his defense is going to look like in 2021. Our defense will be a fast, attacking, aggressive defense. I want guys to play fast. I want guys who are smart. I want guys who are going to play physical. That's one thing for me, just growing up, watching the 49ers play defense. The defense has always stood out here. This has been a defensive organization. They played great defense in the past, and we just want to continue that tradition of playing playing aggressive defense and playing and we want guys to be precise with what they're doing. We want guys to know the details of their job, be able to be on their fundamentals because it, at this league where we are right now, it's everyone is good, but you separate yourself when you focus in on the small small minor details and you hone in on the fundamentals of your job and when you're doing that at a you're you're executing your fundamentals at a high level Right, we're going to be a, a really great defense. I think you talk about young players right, who are on the verge of breaking out, and I look at a young guy like Kevin Givens, and the way he's been working, it's, it's been outstanding to see him work. Uh, he's getting better and better each day. I mentioned Ken Law earlier. He's another player, his second-year player, who's going to take a huge jump for us. Uh, when you look at another young player, I still see a young player. You talk about Dre Greenlaw. And just how he's developed and he's gotten better throughout these OTAs is just I'm fired up to see, you know, his growth this year. So those those are three of the young guys that I that I see taking a huge jump this next year. And uh but we have a lot of guys who are very vital to our defense when it comes to comes to Bosa, when it comes to Fred, Jason Verrett, Jimmy Ward, you know. Three guys who are very vital, important to our defense. Eric Armstead, you know, guys who have been here, leaders who will help guide this defense. You know, this defense is theirs, and I'm just here to help them go out and perform to perform as good as they possibly can. Sounds like a leader. It doesn't take long listening to D'Amico Ryan speak to really get you on board. 
And I think that's probably why you hear uh, Kyle Shanahan last year when he was talking about his vacant defensive coordinator position, wasn't too worried about it and said, uh, D'Amico Ryan's going to be not only a defensive coordinator in this league, but a head coach in this league at some point. You hear him talking, you're like, okay, I'm on board. Yeah, you sold me. You know, this is the first time I've really, you know, we haven't really heard a lot from D'Amico Ryan. So I love the things he's talking about there. I love the details he's talking about there. But the big thing that jumped out to me with him talking was a couple things. One was the first name he mentioned was Kevin Givens, and it's not really the first name you think of with young up-and-coming players with the 49ers defense. I think when Kevin Givens got like a number 90, it's like, man, he just looked like a better football player. Because yes. he was wearing that 63 or whatever at first, and it's like, I can't really respect him. But once he put on that 90, made play. But Kevin Givens, I mean, that's a guy that, um, uh, gosh, why am I blanking on his name? Uh, on TV, analyst, has a crooked finger. Oh, uh, Baldinger. Baldinger. Baldinger, yeah. Brian Baldinger from Kevin Givens, maybe his first preseason, was talking about how well this kid was playing and dominating and the things that he was doing, how difficult those things were. And I feel like even since then, Givens has been that same guy every time he stepped on the field. He's been somebody that I would think would demand more playing time, but it's just been hard to get snaps with how much D-line depth the 49ers have. I think it's hard again this year when you look at, you know, bringing back DJ Jones and having Ken Law and then bringing on um, the two guys for Arden Key and and, uh, uh, Hurst, Mo Hurst from the Raiders, you know, like, just having so many interior guys in that type of rotation is going to be hard to give him snaps, but he definitely is a guy who you would like to see get more snaps because every time he's on the field, he does good things. When that, that, that interception we were talking about with Kinlaw, wasn't it Givens that forced it, got in the backfield and forced that awkward throw yeah. that fluttered in the air? The, the thing I've loved about Givens is he's sort of shaped low to the ground, so he's not the biggest guy. I think he's only listed at 285 pounds. I think he's bigger than that, but he's only like 6'2", 290, something like that. Uh, but he he's big enough and strong enough to anchor a little bit, but he can penetrate and and he can get under people because he's got a lower set, center of gravity, so shaped very different than you know Buckner or Kinlaw is, who are a little bit longer and and give more you know give the offensive linemen more opportunity to have leverage underneath their chest. So I I, I love the way he plays. I love the way Givens play has played uh, in limited snaps, and it sounds like maybe he's going to earn himself a bigger role under D'Amico Ryan's in this defense. The other big thing I, I took from all of this and, and just kind of piecing together some things in the offseason. We'll talk about Demo tomorrow, but I feel like a lot of press coverage is coming, uh, maybe a lot more blitzing and, and an even more aggressive defense than we saw under Robert Sala where they're going to try to maybe scheme up some pressure more so than just relying on their front four to get home. Did you Do you get that kind of vibe as well from the D'Amico Ryan's defense and the way this team is shaping up in 2021? Yeah, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to kind of decipher between the two. Most coaches, when they come out and they take over a defense, the first thing they say is, we want to be fast, physical. We yeah. want to be aggressive, you know. We want to bite kneecaps. No, I mean, I'm joking. That's Dan, That's a shot at Dan Campbell. I, that's but, it. but that's how. That's what they say. You shouldn't be surprised <laughs> when they say, we're going to play smart, we're going to play tough, we're going to be aggressive, and we're going to be great at the details. I guess, I guess you should never be surprised when you hear those things. But as long as the players buy in, then they can take that on. And we saw that it took a little bit of time with Robert Sala, but I think now the culture is kind of built on that style of play from the defense and a guy like D'Amico Ryan, he's been there from the jump. This isn't a, a, a guy who just randomly came to the 49ers this year. They just got this outside defensive coordinator. He's been on the staff since everybody got there, whether it was Robert Sala, Kyle Shanahan, they all came into this together. He's been on the staff the whole time. He's been in probably every single meeting that, 
you know, from a personnel, you know, decision making and game planning, all that with Robert Sala. So he understands it from that standpoint. So I think as far as carrying on, you know, the, the passing of the torch from Sala to D'Amico Ryans, I don't think it would be that much of a transition as far as, you know, kind of trying to build that type of culture about around playing fast and stuff. But hopefully it does, you know, bring, you know, a little bit more blitzing or, or I think most teams, Ideally, you would like to be able to rush with your front four and not have to be as aggressive blitzing and create holes in defenses. But, you know, having a team that maybe plays more man, is more aggressive from that standpoint, I would like to see that. I want to get to a couple other clips here. This one's Jason Verrett talking about uh, the defense and his impressions of defensive coordinator D'Amico Ryans and who has impressed him with the young players in OTA so far? Me being had my, my third year here, um, you know, I, I bonded well with those guys. Um, I continue to bond well with those guys, you know, KK, Jimmy, uh, Dante, like we're all, and Tart, like we're all around the same age. We all came in the year, uh, came into the NFL around the same year, so we all got a decent amount of experience um, in this game. So um, I feel that it's showcasing out there the camaraderie and the chemistry that we're building, and, you know, we just want to transform that to the season. Yeah, Demo, man, that's a guy that I, you know, I, I think it's come along real well uh, just from the first time even seeing the film on him in a rookie minicamp. A guy that's really good at press. Um, you know, I definitely uh, watched him just all throughout this this time that he's been here. That he, You know, the second that he gets more comfortable um, out there, I mean, he could definitely be a good player for us. Um, along with Ambry, you know, it's a guy that's uh, real versatile, um, fast. Um, and uh, so far, a lot of the rookies been playing well. He also said some good things about uh, the guy he's getting used to playing across from a lot now, and, and they'll be the starters most likely, and Emmanuel Mosley had some great things to say about him. Um, what do you think about his assessment of Demo? And it sounds like Demo might be turning some heads with just his aggressiveness and, and his competitiveness so far, jumping in as a rookie and, and being ready to go. I think the most surprising thing is, you know, talking about him like, you know, as a man guy, press guy, because when I was watching him at Oregon and we'll get more in, in, into depth about it with his analysis, but I thought he kind of motored out a little too much and kind of opened up, you know, opened up the, the, the gate for guys to just be able to get free releases. And then you see him in rookie mini camp and how he made the receiver work gladly at the line of scrimmage. And then now you have Rhett saying like, Hey, he's, you know, a really good press man guy. I mean, that's what you want to see. You want to see guys improve on certain things that maybe were a quote-unquote weakness uh, to some extent in college. But, you know, if you can get that down, and I know he can play off. I mean, yeah, yeah, you know, those things. He wasn't drafted as high as Ambry Thomas. But once you get there, whether you were drafted third round or fifth round, you're, you're there now. And they're going to play the guys that are making plays, the guys that are turning heads. And if you see him ahead of Ambry Thomas, I mean – you know, we'll see. I think the one shocking thing that he kind of said, I don't want to say shocking thing, but one thing that really stood out from there was when he mentioned the versatility of Ambry Thomas. And I look at Ambry Thomas as an outside corner, but maybe they are playing him more nickel and doing some things because you don't just throw out versatility if they're not playing him in multiple positions. I feel like both Demo and Ambry Thomas could both play outside and inside. And, and that's kind of the first thing I thought of when I watched both guys. The more I watched Ambry, the more I thought I'd probably more outside and then Demo, I thought, maybe more inside. And I can't wait to hear your scouting report on D'Amador Lenore. We'll do that one tomorrow. I have a couple other quick clips from Jimmy Ward. And he's just had so much energy at the press conference. We don't have time. We'll get to Jimmy Ward tomorrow. Talk about all of their, everything else. I'm sure there'll be more reports about what's going on in 49ers, OTAs. And we'll have the D'Amador Lenore 
scattering report tomorrow. But, you know, you real quick, my last note, you mentioned something there with Ambry Thomas. And, you know, once guys are drafted and they come in, it doesn't matter where you were drafted anymore. But Ambry Thomas was a super late third-round pick, pick 102 overall. So uh, Diamador was a fifth-rounder, what, 150s, 160s? So it wasn't even that far. You see a third-rounder and a fifth-rounder. They actually weren't spread apart that far in reality in the draft either. Right. And I, I think that's a that's a good key note for people to kind of understand that, you know, they will, you know, there is a little bit of roster politics when it comes to draft picks, especially if you're like a day one guy or early day two. But like you said, I mean, to, you know, Amber Thomas, he was picked in the hundreds. <laughs> so they're not too far off. Right. I think there's going to be a legit competition between the two guys. We, and we'll get into camp battles, but that might be a camp battle Ooh. that might be a little bit underrated between those two guys. That is going to be a good camp battle. Yeah, we'll have a podcast about camp battles. We'll be projecting the 53-man roster. We'll be talking about everything there is to cover when it comes to your San Francisco 49ers. The Demo Scouting Report tomorrow, Jimmy Ward's comments, anything else happening in Niner land right here, Locked On 49ers.